We're glad you've joined us on Songs of Praise, an hour of musical reflection to encourage your heart.
stay thou nearby Temptations lose their power When thou art nigh I need thee, oh I need thee Every hour I need thee Oh bless me now my Savior I come to Thee. Sing with the air. 
you're enjoying songs of praise here's some more inspirational music
Lord, let me hold. 
Here's my cry and sees each tear And in love, His great love, He calms all my fears Then He reaches down, puts His hand in mine And says, hold on, child, we're going through Lord, let me
Songs of Praise continues with more inspirational music.
Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Go to prepare a place for you, a special place just for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to my. Together 
rested our store of endurance then our strength has failed ere the day is half done when we Listening to Songs of Praise. It's our desire to encourage and uplift your thoughts to our loving Creator God.
can tell the sun exactly where to be who can hang a billion stars in space out in a galaxy I have seen the many miracles that happen every day no one else can do so I will trust in you who can bear my shame cleanse my every stain who will stand with me when I'm alone and speak joy to my pain who can take my broken heart and give me strength to make it through like you I will trust in you And when my heart is torn I will trust you in the storm For in the end I will shine just like gold To know you in the fast 
Join us again next time on Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio, to enjoy more uplifting music. Today, in 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading, we're continuing I Saw God's Hand by the late missionary pastor Elwyn Martin, Much of the book is set in Papua New Guinea and is broadcast with the kind permission of Amazing Facts. In our last episode, the author Elwyn Martin reminded us that the life of a missionary is not all smooth sailing and that the skies are not always blue. Sometimes dark clouds blot out the sunshine and he began to tell us of one very sad event. Elwyn had been asked to take charge of building a church in Port Moresby. To help in the building, it was decided to bring in all the teachers from a number of outlying schools. Pastor Ern Lemke was to pick them up on the ship Lauhiheni, 
but tragically on their way to Port Moresby, the ship had caught fire. Pastor Lemke's wife and three boys were forced to jump into the swift flowing river. We continue the story. One of the teachers, Ove Weepy, after seeing a baby's head, little Lester Lemke, bob up near him, was able to swim ashore with the baby. The teachers felt that all were lost except baby Lester, for the boat burned to the waterline. After a conference in which they tried to work out what to do with the baby, he was only 22 months old, they decided to walk down along the river in case someone had made the shore. Almost a mile down the river, they found Pastor Lemke, badly burned and dazed and unable to remember what had happened. He kept asking for his wife and the boys. Some hours later, as the reality of the terrible story unfolded to Pastor Lemke. He asked how they could get help for the baby. The teachers had already decided that the nearest European help would be almost two days away. So they set about getting whatever canoes they could and asked local people who knew the way to set off for an Australian petroleum company. They had a base in another Delta River called the Omati. By midday they were fairly well organised, but the village people refused to go, for there was a boar due in about an hour. When the boar had passed, they set out in the canoes with Pastor Lemke and the baby, travelling all that afternoon and night and the next day. At about two or three o'clock on Wednesday morning, they arrived at the APC base. After some difficulty, they were able to awaken some of the white staff who prepared bottles for the baby. I was told that the baby hadn't stopped screaming, for he hadn't had anything to eat for well over 48 hours. The APC staff did all they could for Pastor Lemke, providing food and treating his burns, but they realised that he was suffering more from shock than anything. As soon as the APC could get on the air the next morning, they radioed the story as best they knew it, and the government in Port Moresby in turn contacted us. When Pastor Mitchell returned after the Mercy flight, he told me that Ern Lemke was still far from well. He and the baby were admitted immediately to the European hospital at Port Moresby. About an hour or so after admission, the hospital attendants rang and asked to speak to me. The head nurse told me that Ern was very distressed and kept asking for me. She asked me to keep myself available. He had been given heavy sedation, but she said if he didn't settle down soon, then they would like me to come. They rang about an hour later and said that he was asleep and probably wouldn't waken for at least 24 hours, for he had not slept for days. Late that evening, I suggested to Pastor Mitchell that he call an emergency committee meeting, for I thought we should send a boat through to the Turama area, since there could be a reasonable chance of finding the bodies of Dell and the two boys. Some thought that the trip would be futile, not only because of fast-flowing waters, but because of crocodiles. However, I held out that someone should go. At length it was decided that Pastor H.M. Pascoe and I should make the trip in the Dahari, meaning light. Several hours of the next morning were spent loading sufficient fuel and food supplies. We took about six or eight sheets of flat iron, 
six feet by three feet in case we had to make caskets. We also took soldering irons and spirits of salt, muriatic acid for soldering. When all was in readiness, I rang the hospital, but found that Pastor Lemke was still not awake. After a prayer season on the boat, we sailed at midday, and until near nightfall, we were able to travel in somewhat sheltered waters. Just after sunset, we set out through the reef. Soon darkness settled around us. When I went to set the course, I found that there were no charts on the boat. It is an unwritten law that charts of the waters in which the ship operates must never be taken off the boat unless being replaced by new ones. The charts had been taken off by a new crewman. What could we do? There was a choppy sea running. It was pitch dark because of a heavy overcast and there was no way back. After some dead reckoning, I set a course that I felt would be toward the mouth of the Tarama River. Pastor Pascoe felt that I had set the course miles too far south and that we would probably end up in the Fly River. Next morning there was no sign of land in sight and Pastor Pascoe asked me when I expected to sight land. I told him that I thought we should sight land shortly after midday. Midday came, but there was no sign of land. One, two, three, and then four o'clock, and still there was no sign of land. My mate again felt that we were too far south. Near sunset, I was near the top of the mast, straining my eyes for land, when at last I saw a little dot on the skyline that I believed could be Morigi Island in the mouth of the Tarama. A slight alteration was made in our course as darkness settled down once more. We knew that if the land I had sighted was Merigio Island, within a couple of hours we would be in treacherous waters. So we prayed that the master pilot would show us the way. During the next hour, one of the most fantastic electric storms I have ever seen came up. Pastor Pascoe was standing by in case the engine needed to be cut back to half or slow speed. There was continual flashing of lightning which verified that the island was Marigio and we went right through those winding, treacherous waters with the motor running at full speed. Shortly after 9pm, we dropped anchor in a little inlet on the side of Marigio. At the first sign of daybreak the next morning, we were pushing our way up the Tarama River. By midday, we reached the village where the mishap had taken place. We were somewhat surprised to see a government boat standing by. As soon as we were able to talk to the patrol officer, we learned that he had been commissioned by the government district commissioner at Kokori, approximately 100 miles away, to go the Tarama River and find the place where the tragedy had taken place and see whether any of the bodies had been found. He informed us that he had the bodies of Mrs Lemke and one of the boys, but the other had not been found. He asked me to come and identify the bodies. I did. This was one of the saddest things I have ever done. The body of Mrs Lemke had been found and buried by the Papuans. The one little son was found some days later. I asked to take charge of the bodies, but the patrol officer said he would have to obey orders, 
which were to return the bodies found to Kokori for burial. I suppose I could be accused of telling a lie, for I said, Pastor Lemke's desire is that the bodies be taken to Port Moresby for burial. The patrol officer was understanding and said, If that is the husband's wish, then I must hand them over to you. He agreed to tow the large canoe that carried the bodies behind his boat as we travelled downstream. As soon as we had departed, Pastor Pascoe and I set to work to make the two caskets. Imagine our distress when we found that the spirits of salt had been broken down, making soldering extremely difficult. Towards sunset, we were ready for the difficult, heartbreaking task of transferring the bodies from the canoe to the caskets. As soon as this task was completed and the government boat was ready to leave, I asked the patrol officer to try upon his return to Kokori to get a message to our headquarters in Port Moresby, stating that we were returning with the two caskets and that we would berth about 10am on Monday. The diary was not radio-equipped. We finished soldering down the caskets just as the sun set. We hove to for about half an hour while we closed a Sabbath that can never be erased from my memory. Immediately after the close of Sabbath, and during the remaining light, we put out to sea through the dangerous waters. Again I had to set the course with our charts, but it was with much more confidence this time, for with a few variations for drift and currents, it simply meant a course almost opposite what we had followed coming. I shall never forget that Saturday night, for it was a beautiful moonlight night. The sea was like a mill pond, and the old Ayari had never sung sweeter in her life. What a tragedy that we were on such a mission. According to my reckoning, we should have picked up land by late afternoon, but to our surprise we sighted Cape Suckling at midday. It was unbelievable. We had made the best time ever. By sunset we were well inside the partially protected waters, and by ten o'clock that night, we dropped anchor in the Port Moresby Harbour, twelve hours ahead of time. Early the next morning, we learned that the President, Pastor Mitchell, had received the radio message on Sunday, and acting on it had made arrangements for the burial to take place at two o'clock in the afternoon. I was somewhat distressed to learn that the day before, Sunday, they had flown past a Lemke and the baby to our sanitarium at Sydney because of his third-degree burns, which would require skin drafts. I was sorry that I'd missed them, particularly when he'd been asking for me to come. That afternoon, we tenderly laid to rest Del and little Adrian, aged four. Del was one of God's sweetest girls, a loving mother and a devoted, wonderful Christian. We buried them both in one grave, the dear little boy on top of his mother. The other little boy, David, aged six years, was never found. When I compare the little that I have done for the Master, the sacrifices made by Ern and Del 
and those two little boys, then all I can do is bow my head, for there is no comparison. I thank the Master for what he said in Matthew 19, verse 29. Everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. To be continued. Tune in again next week for the next episode of I Saw God's Hand, written by Elwyn Martin and read by Alan Lindsay. If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 61 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3ABN Australia dot org dot .org.au Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc PO Box 752 Morissette, New South Wales 2264 Australia Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Let's listen to William Ackland as he reads a portion of Psalm 119 from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Happy are those who are blameless, for God's law is the guide of their life. Happy are those who live by his testimonies, whose hearts always yearn after him. They do not indulge in iniquity, they walk in the ways of the God. You have instructed us to keep your precepts, giving them first place in our lives. Oh, I want the direction of my life to be directed by your statutes. Then I would not have cause for shame when I observe your holy commandments. I will praise you with singleness of purpose when I make all your judgments my own. I have determined to keep your statutes Do not abandon me now.